Welcome to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My name is Jonathan Edwards, and I serve as a pastor at the Grace Brethren Chapel located in Northwest Ohio. The goal of this podcast is to teach God's truth and how to apply it accurately to one's life so that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed as you contemplate God's word. Greetings, saints and fellow bond slaves of Jesus Christ. It's good to be with you again. Two weeks ago, when we normally would have had an episode, was Good Friday, and so uh, I was working on some other stuff for the church and was unable to record a podcast at that time, but we're back again, and we are recording today a review of the movie Nefarious. Now, this movie came out on April 14th, 2023. It was produced by... Um, the same folks who did the God's Not Dead movie and the Unplanned movie, and uh, so it has a has a nice pedigree. I think that's a, a very good pedigree, actually, if you're going to produce what is ultimately a, a faith-based movie. Now, the movie is not billed as a faith-based movie. The movie is billed as a psychological thriller. And the author of the book, The Nefarious Plot, who is Steve Dace, has explained in detail why he did not promote this movie as a faith-based movie, but rather as a psychological thriller. And his explanation is this, that by putting it into the category of psychological thriller, he is hoping to appeal to an audience that is not the normal Christian audience, an audience that is not um, going to look into a faith-based movie. So when you have a movie that's titled uh, God's Not Dead or Jesus Revolution, you're obviously trying to appeal probably to a certain segment of the population. With the title the movie of the movie being Nefarious, and with the billing being that of a psychological thriller, Steve Dace, in his own words, has said that the movie is designed to appeal to the Ninevites. Now, who were the Ninevites? The Ninevites were a group of people who uh, lived in the Old Testament era. Uh, They were Assyrians, and God sent a prophet named Jonah to go to the Ninevites. Now, the Ninevites did not know Yahweh. They did not know Yahweh's laws. They did not understand any truth about Yahweh. And they were wicked, wretched sinners. And let's be fair, okay? All people, all human beings are wicked, wretched sinners. The Ninevites just happened to be very wicked and very wretched sinners, and they were known for doing very horrible things to the people that they conquered. Uh, They were known for doing horrible things amongst themselves. They were not a good people. God sent this prophet Jonah to the Ninevites, and... If you know a little bit or anything about Bible history, you know that Jonah did not want to go to the Ninevites. Why? Because he did not want them to be convicted of their sins and to repent. He wanted them to face the judgment that he knew they would get if they did not repent. However, God in his mercy and in his grace and in his loving kindness sent a prophet to the Ninevites, and it was Jonah, and Jonah preached a message that basically said this, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. I think there was more to the message than that, 
but he walked up and down and left and uh, left and right across the city. He walked all over the city preaching this message, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in the city repented and were spared the judgment and wrath of God because they heard the message that Yahweh sent to them, and they repented, and they became believers in Yahweh. So, by appealing to the Ninevites, what Steve Dace and the producers of this movie have done is to try to get a message to those people who are wicked sinners, who don't even understand that they're lost, they don't even know the path that they're on, and the point of this movie is to draw them in to such a degree that they would recognize that there is real spiritual warfare that's occurring all around them, and they are participants, whether willing or not. Now, the plot of the movie, I'm not really going to spend a lot of time reviewing the plot of the movie. I think it's really important for you to go and see the movie yourself and understand the plot. But basically, the plot revolves around a conversation between a man who is on death row, who is possessed by a demon, and a psychologist who professes to be an atheist. And the conversation between these two men goes in a, in a lot of deep places. It touches a lot of significant issues. And it would be worth your while to go see the movie and to understand the, the way that the, the spiritual world is working to affect ruin in your physical life or in the physical lives of people, unbelievers, and possibly even believers. And as this movie is a movie that is designed to um, appeal to the Ninevites, it is also a movie designed to pull back the curtain on the real spiritual warfare that is taking place all around us. And I think that those who are Ninevites, who are in that camp, will be challenged to confront the spiritual reality of life. But I also think that believers who go and see this movie will be challenged to confront the reality of the spiritual warfare that is taking place all around them. One of the things that I think we miss in America, because of the nature of our materialistic society, because of our quote-unquote um, deep belief in science, because of our faith in what we can see and measure and feel, and we base everything on whatever has empirical evidence. We, we, we oftentimes lack the faith-based aspects of generations gone by, or we lack the faith-based aspects of other cultures. So, for example, in America, I believe that there are spiritual forces of darkness at work in our country just as much as there are spiritual forces of darkness at work in any random country in Africa, like a third world country, like Uganda or the Congo or the Cameroon. But because of the mentality of Americans, because of our cultural presuppositions, we are not open to the spiritual elements that are happening around us. And so Satan is able to distract us, to help us to kind of put our heads in the sand, so to speak, 
and not even think about the spiritual devastation that's going on around us. Whereas if you were to go to a country in Africa or maybe the, the Middle East or even India, these cultures are more in tune with the spirit world than we are. They will attribute things to the spirit world. They are actively engaging the spirit world in their lives and in their conversations. And so for those cultures, I think the the spiritual warfare that's taking place is more open than it is in America. But what this movie very successfully accomplishes is pulling back the curtain on the fact that spiritual warfare happens all around us, even in the wealthiest country in the world, even as we live in comfort and peace and security. Spiritual warfare is going on, and you are a participant, whether willing or unwilling. This movie, I believe, is very similar in its effect to The Screwtape Letters, which was a book written by C.S. Lewis, I believe in the 1940s, maybe it was the early 50s. The Screwtape Letters is a book that describes the conversation between two different demons and how they were planning to ruin an individual's life. And, And I absolutely believe that those types of conversations happen in the spirit world and that demons and Satan himself plots against humanity to help cause them or to encourage them to reject God. Now, if if you are somebody who reads your Bible and you take the Bible literally at face value, you would understand that the spiritual forces of darkness are at war against God and the people of God. Nowhere is this more evident than in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, Daniel had been praying to God about a situation, and God sent an angel to answer Daniel. And it took three weeks for this angel to arrive to Daniel. And now listen to the conversation that happens once the angel brings the message from God to Daniel. Daniel, chapter 10, beginning in verse 12. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understanding this and humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for twenty-one days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now, obviously, we have a little bit of... um, metaphorical language or euphemistic language there, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, in my understanding of the scripture, would be a very powerful evil angel. It could be Satan himself, or it could be another angel. Whatever the case is, this particular angel who is in charge of the kingdom of Persia, he was an evil angel, and he was powerful enough to prevent a good angel, a righteous angel, from coming and giving the message of God to Daniel. Now, that is some serious spiritual warfare. And I, I believe that even as Christians, we don't recognize and understand that there is a spiritual warfare going around or happening around us all the time. If you go to watch this movie, and you're not a believer, this movie is going to force you to confront the reality 
of the spiritual forces of darkness that exist in this world. You could be an atheist. You could deny the deity. You could deny God. You could be an agnostic. You could be whatever. But if you go and watch this movie and you follow the dialogue, you're going to be saying to yourself, boy, there's some connections here that I should be really thinking about. I should really actually re-examine my worldview positions. And that's one of the major goals of the movie. If you've listened to Steve Day's talk, if you go find uh, some of the um, discussions that he's had regarding this movie, the purpose, one of the main purposes of the movie is to confront the satanic worldview. It is to confront the world, the atheistic worldview. And it does a good job of confronting that worldview. But conversely, if you are a Christian and you go to see this movie, you are forced to ask this, am I living according to the significance of the spiritual battle that is going on all around me? Do I live as if this battle is real, or do I live in ignorance of this battle? Now, if you're a Christian and you read your Bible, and again, if you take your Bible literally, you should be aware that spiritual warfare is a main component of your life right now. As a believer, Satan is warring against you. Maybe not Satan himself. Maybe he's got some demons uh, that are going to be warring against you. I'm sure that Satan is interested, of course, in the biggest fish. So think about the people who perhaps have a lot of influence in the world of Christian thinking or Christian living, such as uh, individuals like John MacArthur or Mark Deaver or uh, John Piper or other men of this stature who have uh, what I would consider to be major platforms and major responsibilities to uphold the truth of the Word of God because God has blessed them with these big platforms. I'm sure that Satan is concentrating battle attacks against those prominent figures, hoping to get them to fall and hoping to discredit Christianity. But you, if you're like me, you're just kind of like Christian living in small-town America, or maybe you're Christian just living in the big city, you have to recognize that you are fighting the spiritual forces of darkness as well. Paul is very clear on this particular issue. Peter is very clear on this particular issue. Uh, as someone who just got done preaching through the books of First and Second Peter over the last nine months, I'm reminded of what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Be firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. This is a warning to us from Peter. Peter is saying to the believers, you better be ready. You better be aware. Satan is after you. Satan wants to get you. And you know what? He will get you if you are not careful. He will devour you. And I can't tell you how many people I've met in my life who just, you know, they don't recognize that some of the calamities, some of the sufferings that they're going through are spiritual warfare issues. Like, 
man, I was, things were going okay for me, but I wasn't really serving God very well. But then as soon as I started to get serious about Jesus, as soon as I started to be, you know, serious about reading my Bible and making time to pray, this, this, and this, and this all happened to me, and it upset everything that I was trying to do. Well, do you think that happened by accident? Do you think that just somehow out of the blue, all of these circumstances came about so that it disrupted the Bible reading plan that you were in, it disrupted the prayer life that you were enjoying, it disrupted the small group meeting or the uh, one-on-one Bible study that you were having? No, those things don't happen just by coincidence or accident. You need to recognize that there is spiritual warfare going on, and your enemy wants to dissuade you and discourage you from doing the things that will cause you to grow in Christ-likeness. And so as a Christian watching this movie, it forces you to ask yourself, am I living in ignorance of the battle, or am I aware of the battle and taking the necessary steps to overcome? And that's where that's what would lead us to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6. What does he say there? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul lays it out plain. And if you're a Christian and you read the Bible and you believe the Bible, you better be aware that the spiritual forces of darkness are waging war against your soul. They are waging war against your soul. Have you ever, as a Christian, been thinking, uh, having a good day? You're just going about your business, and all of a sudden, evil thoughts come into your mind, and you think, where did that evil thought come from? Where did that temptation come from? How did this even enter into the realm of my consciousness? If that's happened to you, you can be sure that it was a demon or some other spiritual force of darkness that brought that to your mind. Now, I'm saying this not so that you blame every evil thing on Satan, but Satan certainly, and his evil forces, his demonic forces certainly, utilize the temptations that we are susceptible to. They utilize the lusts of the flesh. They utilize the pride of life to entrap us and to encourage us to sin. Sometimes, you know, that old excuse, the devil made me do it, um, that's not too far off from the truth. Satan does tempt you to sin. Ultimately, if you're a Christian, you make the choice to sin. But certainly, Satan does tempt you to sin, and Satan will somehow, in some way, and I can't explain it, I can't explain it fully, but he does commit warfare, acts of war against you as a Christian. And you must be aware of that. You must be aware of that. So what does Paul say then? If this is true, if, if we are facing spiritual forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness, what should we do? Well, he says in verse 13 of Ephesians 6, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. That is what we must do. We must take up the armor of God. 
we gird our loins with the truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is an important one. If you begin to obey God, to obey Jesus, and to practice the word as written out in the New Testament, you better be ready for those flaming arrows. Satan is going to send them towards you, and your faith in God must be strong enough to overcome those flaming arrows. And you take the helmet of salvation, and here is how you ultimately defeat the devil, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Christian's primary weapon weapon of offense is the Word of God. Satan knows the Word of God, too. Satan's been around since the very beginning. He knows every word in the Word of God. In fact, he used the Word of God to tempt Jesus in the desert when Jesus went out for 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and dedication, devotion to the Father. Satan came to him at the end of that and tempted him using the Word of God. Satan is smart. Satan is cunning. Satan is crafty. And so you, my friend, fellow Christian, you must be prepared to do spiritual battle with Satan, and you must have the Word of God as your primary weapon of offense. 100%. It must be the Word of God that you use as your offensive tool. The other aspects of the armor of God are primarily defensive or protective in nature, but it is the Word of God. And this is where so many Christians fall short. They don't know the Word of God. They don't memorize the Word of God. They don't meditate on the Word of God. They don't even read the Word of God. And so Christians must do better at equipping themselves for this battle. Now, Satan, as I've already mentioned, is a cunning fellow, and he does some things that cause his activity to kind of go unawares in the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes that Satan actively blinds the minds of those who are unbelieving. So to the atheist who sees this movie, you know what? They're probably going to deny that spiritual reality even takes place, even though they should be confronted with that reality. They may deny it. How do you explain that? Well, that is the activity of Satan. Satan blinds the minds of the unbelieving. What else does Paul write about Satan and his activity? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Satan, or I'm sorry, Paul writes this, that verse 13, such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ, for no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise himself as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Now, this is really troubling for Christians, because I think a lot of so-called Christians are, are too, I'm not sure if the word is naive, if the word is ignorant, if it is unaware, um, I don't know what the word is, but too many Christians easily fall prey to false teachers. They easily fall prey to doctrines that are not found in the scriptures. 
they easily fall prey to the distortion of doctrines that are found in the Scriptures. This is why, if you are listening to this right now, you need to develop a literal, grammatical, and historical objective method of interpretation that will help you to understand what does the Bible really teach. Because Satan and his forces of darkness, his workers of evil, use the Bible and they masquerade as angels of righteousness, as servants of righteousness. This is how, of course, Jesus was able to say in Matthew chapter 7 that there will be many who say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And he will say, I never knew you. Those who <laughs> those who are seeking after some type of greater spiritual power, greater spiritual enlightenment, those who want to do more than what the New Testament would allow, those are the ones who open themselves up to the influence of the spiritual forces of darkness. And they may seem like they're doing the work of Jesus, but in fact, they are doing the work of the devil. Christian, you must know that this battle is going on, and it is up to you to fight the battle. There's some parts of the movie, Nefarious, that are admittedly difficult to watch. Um, I'm not somebody who typically likes psychological thrillers or thriller movies in general. And there are some parts of the movie that are challenging to watch. However, it's not too challenging. It's not too intense. It's thought-provoking. And it should make you contemplate what battle we are really in. It should make you aware of the fact that we as Christians have a responsibility to preach the gospel, to advance against Satan's kingdom. And that's not to say that uh, I'm not trying to advocate for a kind of kingdom theology where we are going to bring the kingdom of God down to earth. Um, I don't believe that. I don't believe in dominion theology. I don't think those are biblical positions. But what I will say is a biblical position is that we have, as Christians, been given a job to do by the Master. That is to go and make disciples of all nations. And we must be about that task. And the, the disciple is one who learns from another and imitates the Master. And so, Christian, are you learning from someone else? Are you, are you connected to a solid local church where the pastor is exegeting and expositing the Word of God, where he is preaching from the Bible, not just a whole bunch of nice stories with a biblical moral bent to them? You need to be in a church like that. Christian, you need to be observing all that Jesus commanded. To observe it means that you practice it. It means you know it and then you practice it. Christian, you must be mindful of this battle that's going on. And if going to this movie helps you to be mindful of the battle, then I highly recommend doing it. Now, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest, there's going to be some people who probably see this movie and, and walk away with a sour taste in their mouth for one reason or another. 
could this movie do some some things differently? Possibly. But I think if those things that were done, if some of those things were done, such as, here I'll give an example without spoiling the movie. Well, it might be a little spoiler. There's no 100% complete gospel presentation in this movie. There's going to be a lot of Christians who criticize that. Personally, um, I see that as something that was a design choice because of the intended audience. However, I would say this, if, if you're bothered by the fact that there's no gospel presentation in the movie, and you, you know you take somebody who's a non-Christian to see it, you then offer to take them out to dinner and explain the gospel to them. Take them out to coffee or ice cream afterwards. Explain the gospel to them. That might be perhaps my only critique of the movie. Um, and I think there's some ways that you could have had an entire gospel presentation in the movie without having what Steve Dace calls a cheesy conversion scene at the end. However, I'm not going to let that particular deficiency change my recommendation of this movie. I think that every Christian should see it. I think that every non-Christian should see it. I think that it's a powerful movie that accomplishes exactly what it sets out to accomplish, which is communicating that there is a real spiritual warfare going on. And when we look at the issues in our culture, abortion, marriage, transgenderism, or gender identity, when we look at those issues, we must recognize those are spiritual issues, and there are satanic forces behind those issues. We must recognize that. And this movie will pull back the curtain and help you to see that. I can't recommend Nefarious highly enough. I think it's a great movie that serves its purpose, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing it a few more times and understanding even more of the dialogue and the, the concepts that are opened up as, we, uh, as, I, as I have opportunity to review it again and again. All right, my friends, thank you. Continue to be in God's Word. Continue to devote yourself to the truth. Continue to become a good soldier of Christ in the battle that we are fighting against the spiritual forces of darkness. It starts with you. Knowing your word, knowing the word, I should say, and practicing it in your life, and then being a faithful member of the local church. Until next time, God bless you.